This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast is all about digging into big questions and tricky topics by honest conversation. And this week we're going to be looking at spiking and I'm joined by my guest Maya Howes who also is in Peckham in South East London. Are you there right now or are we just down the road? I am, (laughs) I am, I am. It's just quite weird, isn't it? Yeah, I would ask you exactly where but I think that's probably not safe but we are (laughs) probably really close and then yesterday I was like, oh we could... We could do it in the same room, which would be nice, but you need a different, a complicated mic setup. So yeah, instead, yeah, we're, yeah. we're just just down the road. Anyway, I'll carry on with my <laughs> intro. Um, by trade, she's a creative director, but she's recently founded at I've Been Spiked, a safe space for victims who have been spiked to share their stories, seek support, and demand action. She started the platform in March 2020, shortly after her drink was spiked in February 2020. She is now one of the leading activists fighting for change in the current state of drink spiking in the UK and the general field of violence against women and girls. Most recently, and how I've come to meet her, she is the host and producer of Pricks, a podcast which explores the spiking epidemic and looks to get under the skin of the problem. It's a bit wordy, but brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. I'm really actually fascinated about this conversation but before I really get into it I have three more lightweight questions for you number one how are you really what star sign are you and what's your favorite crisp oh my god these are big questions um how am I really I'm feeling great the sun is shining I think it always makes everything so much better I'm, I'm, I'm loving doing, it. I'm doing some size. I feel like I'm someone who is definitely really affected by the seasons and to kind of make it through to a patch of where this is going to be sunny all week, you feel a real sense of gratitude that I've stayed sane this winter. 100%. I'm exactly the same. When it's winter, I, I'm not the same person. No. Um, my star sign is I'm a Virgo. 0909 is my birthday. Um, and my favourite crisp. The thing is, I love crisps. Like I'm obsessed with crisps. Um do you know what I love? Tyrrells. Are these called Tyrrells? Mm. Tyrrells? Yeah. The red pepper ones. Great. I feel like Tyrrells don't get as much of a shout out as they ought to, but they're a great crisp. I think they're amazing. They're probably one of my favourite crisps, but I do love... I I don't think there's any crisp I don't like. No. Um, I had uh, Catelyn Moran, the journalist, on, who's obviously mm-hmm. a high-profile journalist, and she said that one of the things she's most passionate about in life is finding crisps that are folded over in, in her packets, and she's photographed oh every, every one she's ever had. And the ones that are folded over are always more seasoned as well. Exactly. You know it. You know it. <laughs> crisps are really great. They never let you down. 
Do they? My favourite, my favourite snack. To be honest, I'm more of a crisp person than a chocolate person. Yeah, the thing is, I eat chocolate because I'm kind of craving. It's kind of a different relationship. Whereas, you, you, yeah, you're, you're more consistent with a with a crisp. With a crisp. With a crisp. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, hats off to crisp. So I'm here to talk to you about spiking, and I'm going to be really honest. Actually, when when I saw when um, the press release came through about your new podcast, I was just like, mm-hmm. oh. Drink spiking, that feels like very, like, 1990s, early 2000s, which is ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. but, I mean, is it still a big problem? Is that a common misconception? And, yeah. I think, like, even myself, before I'd got spiked, I kind of saw spiking as this thing that, I always say this, this thing that happened in, like, Ibiza, you know, when I was younger, I used to watch programmes like Sun, Sea, Sex and Suspicious Parents. And I always assumed that, that kind of environment was where spiking happened and it wouldn't happen to me. Um, although I guess as women, we are always taught to watch our drinks or mm. to always be aware of our surroundings. So I guess it's kind of just ingrained into us, into us to be a bit more careful on a night out. But spiking, I'd never really heard anyone speak about it before. Um, my sister actually got spiked two months before I did. Um, wow. And that was like my first close to home uh, account was spiking and then yeah two months after then I had my drink spiked and I was like okay maybe this is a bigger issue than I thought yeah that's a um, bit of a freaky coincidence isn't it yeah really odd um and yeah when I went to A&E to go and like get checked over or whatever because I had loads of physical injuries from being spiked um she said to me like oh I've had my drink spiked before I know how horrible it is and then that's when I started to question okay just so happens that this nurse that's seeing me has had her drink spiked. My sister's had her drink spiked mm-hmm. two months before me. How many people is this happening to? Um, and when I started sharing my story on social media, then loads of people in my circle were coming forward being like, oh, I've had my drink spiked too. I know how horrible it is. And that's when I started to realise that maybe it's a bigger issue, but people just aren't talking about it in the way they should be. Yeah. Um, but I think it's definitely a common misconception that, I don't know, it maybe doesn't happen anymore or it's not a big issue but yeah. I think more recently people are talking about it um do you mind talking about the experience of, of what that was like for you when you got your drinks spiked? sorry could you repeat that oh, do you mind like talking through how the experience was for you yeah 100 percent um so I had my drink spiked at uh it was like it's a club local to me in Peckham um I don't know if I'm allowed to mention the club name but it's just a club local to me I've been there so many times um you know it's one of those ones where I've been there so many times I could probably walk home with my eyes closed. Like that's how many times I've been there, but it'd been um, rented privately for a friend's birthday. So therefore I think I felt even more safe in that Mm -hmm. environment because everyone around me was people that I knew. Um, And yeah, I'd had like one or two drinks before I left the house. I wasn't really drinking that much at that time. Um, So when I got there, I was sober. Um, Well, in my eyes, like Mm. sober for a night out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and there was a really high card limit at the bar um and so I had to buy three drinks so I bought two drinks for my mates and one drink for me Mm -hmm. and I passed those two drinks back like literally turned my back for like a split second and I think in that moment that's when my drink was spiked because wow at the bar yeah because I remember everything um up until taking that first sip of that drink and then it's complete blackout um until waking up in bed the next day and um my sister was at that party as well. So she'd actually got me home. Obviously, she'd had her drinks about two months before. But she was kind of a bit confused as to what had happened because 
you know, I'd been with some mates and then suddenly I just disappeared and she couldn't find me anywhere and she wanted to go home. Um, and so she looked everywhere for me and couldn't find me um, until she started, she, she questioned, she started to question where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and she asked a boy to go into the boys' toilets to check if there was anything weird in there because that's the only place obviously she hadn't looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like a toilet door that had been locked for an extended period of time she, he was like oh there's some I think there's someone in there and so my sister just went in and she like bashed up the door and eventually I opened it and at that point I'd already smashed and fallen fallen over and smashed my face wow um so when she found me obviously I was like covered in blood and she was just like what on earth has happened um and so I guess we've had to like fill the blanks of what had happened because no one was with me no no one saw me um and, and when you say blackout, literally, because sometimes, I mean, in, yeah, not great times in my life when I've drunk to excess, I, I have had mm-hmm. patchy memory, but you say literally cannot remember a single... I have never blacked out from alcohol uh, in, like, you know, it's patchy, but you still remember this. Yeah. This is complete, like, and when I woke up the next day, usually if I'm, like, hungover or whatever, I can't get straight out of bed. Yeah. But... I was able to jump straight out of bed and I was so confused. Mm. This didn't feel like a hangover. Do you know what I mean? I knew instantly that something had happened. And also I'd never sustained like, I like going out and I like having a good time, but I'd never sustained physical injuries from going out drinking. Like that's something that's never happened to me. And it's something that I'd never want to happen to me. Um, So it was very bizarre. And I think when my sister found me, she was kind of, she hadn't put, two and two together she just thought maybe like I don't know like I'd taken something or Mm. like I'd had too much to drink but it all happened in like the space of like an hour to an hour and a half it was really quick wow um and yeah so I went to A&E to go and get because I'd um split my chin wow um my nose I'd smashed my nose that's why I was bleeding from my nose so that's why I was covered in blood um and it later turns out like I had a concussion I also fractured my wrist wow um but obviously I didn't, I was only going to A&E to go and get my chin stitched up. Um, but yeah, I had more injuries than I thought. Um, but yeah, it was really weird because it was like pre-COVID times. So mm. I had to go to A&E by myself. Um, and it was really, really isolating. And like, I just, I, to be honest, I didn't really want to accept that something weird had happened. So I yeah. just kind of felt a bit numb. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until the nurse said to me, like, I think you've been spiked. Like, I've been spiked too. I know how horrible it is. All your injuries suggest that this is the case. But it's too late to run any tests. Oh, really? And, yeah. And so- in that moment, I knew that because with my sister's experience, like when they tried to report it to the police, my mum and my sister, um, the police said they wouldn't investigate if she didn't have blood tests. So I already knew that there was no point of speaking to the police about it. So uh, the irony is you ne- you need to really be going to the police when you're in that intoxicated state, which by the sounds of it, you wouldn't have a hope in hell because you don't yeah. know what's going on. I literally, that night, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to tell anyone what was happening to me because the drugs that were used to spite me were so strong. They had such a bizarre effect. Like, obviously, they affect people differently. But I apparently, like, obviously later on, filled in some of the blanks like I left hospital and uh it was actually a guy that sent me a message which was quite sweet saying oh I saw you out last night and you you weren't yourself I hope wow. you're okay hmm. and he was like you were like saying stuff that that was really bizarre and you wouldn't usually say and I just I just thought like I wanted to check if you're all right and I was like oh this is what happened I got spiked and he was like that's awful 
Um, so I don't know. And then after, I guess the after effects of that is just the embarrassment that you feel. And, and not to put words in your mouth, but you've been violated. That's the thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. If you if you drink to a point of any kind of patchy memory loss, which is also not great, but no. you, you've elected to do that to yourself. So it's kind of you do to take responsibility. But the idea that someone's yeah violated you, do you remember any kind of difference in the taste of your drink or nothing like that? No, I mean, a lot of the drugs that are used to spike people, they're so developed that they don't have any odour, they don't have any taste. Um, or if they do, it's very, very slight, like just like a slight salty taste. You might just yeah. think, you know, they have like tequila and salt behind the bar. It could have just been, yeah, you know, a slip up or something, or maybe the cup hasn't been washed properly. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't realise it. Um, and so, yeah, and especially if you're just, you don't assume it's going to happen. So you're not always yeah. looking out for oh my god does my drink taste a little bit different do you know what I mean you're just there to drink your drink and especially if it's from the bar I don't know you just assume it will be fine Mm -hmm. um but yeah the thing is like that I've had to live with and deal with is I still don't know who spiked me the person that spiked me is still out there you know Mm. I don't know if it was someone at that party or that was someone that I know I don't know if it was someone from behind the bar um but someone spiked me that night I don't know what their intention was that was going to be my next question because, again, maybe it's off the mark, but I always saw it as, as unfortunately, hand in hand with sexual abuse. That mm-hmm. you know, it, it, that it's date raping for want of a better piece of language. That people would spike your drink and then sexually take advantage of you. But as far as you're aware, that didn't happen to you. I mean, I don't know if I was taken advantage of because I I was found in boys' toilets. Mm-hmm. Um, which I can make assumptions about what happened to me. I don't think I was raped because I think I would have known, I would have been mm. able to to feel that. But I don't know if I was still taken advantage of. Mm. Um, and that's just been something that I've had to live with. You must be like constantly kind of, well, again, apologies for projecting, but you're trying to go over something in your mind that you. it's so weird to experience something in your body and not be able to recollect it, isn't it? Yeah, I was so... Like at first, like I was so desperate to try and like think about all of the possibilities, you know, the what ifs and, you know, sitting there trying to recollect anything. Um, and I, I just simply couldn't. And I I remember just afterwards, I think it was in March, um, I May Destroy You, Michaela Cole came out. Oh, yeah. And um, obviously that that's the first time I'd ever seen spiking on screen. And it was weirdly triggering because it was like in the best possible way. But it was like I saw my experience on screen Mm. for the first time and it was so so similar like I think the way that she like lost um she lost her legs and stuff like that Mm. and fell and I can only imagine that's similar to my experience and what Mm. happened to me yeah that's uh, as you were speaking earlier on that's the scene that came to mind and that you know what that is really as you say one of the first times or if only times I can think of having seen it um, documented and yet you're you've done a run you know a quick survey of people that you've come into contact with and uh, people are like, oh yeah that's happened to me I mean it's it's really terrible isn't it yeah I just think up until relatively recently it was such a taboo subject and I think it is because it's surrounded by so much shame you feel so much shame mm. I mean a lot of it does happen in nightclubs and at bars and stuff and you might have already had a drink anyway so a lot of people blame themselves mm-hmm. um, and they don't want to talk about it. And then obviously, especially if it ends in something more sinister to say. Um, yeah, it's just surrounded by shame and embarrassment. Um, so a lot of people don't talk about it in the way that maybe they should. Yeah. 
And for the podcast, have you spoken to um, about, to people about the the process of trying to prosecute? Because obviously your sister had no luck. But is there are there situations where prosecuting can be effective? So I've spoken to um, like nurses, to police officers, to lawyers, to psychologists, um, and to the head, like the head of the Night Times Industry Association. Mm-hmm. And I gave them a run for their money because at the end of the day, the system clearly isn't working because the the lawyer that I spoke to, she said that she's never seen a case of spiking reached court unless it's ended in something more sinister, such as sexual assault. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, before I even did this podcast, I didn't know that spiking in itself isn't an offence. It's only offence if it's followed by something more sinister. So standalone, it's not an offence. And that, that was shocking to me because... For me, it's like grievous bodily harm, you know. A hundred percent. And it's a non-consensual act on a body, isn't it? Yeah. And like if that, you don't know what effect that drug is going to have on you, right? That drug could trigger something else in your body. It could trigger psychosis. It could trigger a range of different things. And it's been put in your drink against your will, but and yet it's not a standalone offence. So, I mean... In a lot of cases that I hear, sometimes people get spiked and then they make it home and they're safe and they don't have any physical injuries. But also there's so much trauma that comes with someone doing that to you against your will. Um, and I think it should be tre- it should be treated in that way. I'm, I'm actually a bit gobsmacked about that. Mm. Yeah, I was gobsmacked as well, to be honest. I just like, you, I can't help. It's, it's kind of incomprehensible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's. There's a there's massive massive flaws in the system as it is at the moment. Um, obviously, there's a drink spiking inquiry going on um, the Home Affairs Committee at the moment, and it's ongoing. And I'd like to see some change from it. But for me, doing something like even even making spiking a criminal offence in its own and increasing the time that someone gets for spiking that to me is kind of pointless if we're not getting cases through in the first place. Yeah. If it's if we can't access testing and we can't actually report our crimes to the police, then what is the point of increasing it? Because it's like it's out of reach anyway. Um, So for me, it's all about making some kind of long lasting change and some systemic change as well. Um, And I guess that's why I also kind of work in that kind of field of violence against women and girls, because I think it's a really important discussion that needs to be had. And Mm -hmm. I think it definitely has a massive impact on spiking. 100%. 100%. I'm I'm doing some like my brain's slowed down because I I'm just it's making me realize not only is this a, a untaught about subject mm. uh, you know I'm I'm thinking about my friends now I'm I'm wondering how many of them have been spiked it's just not it's just not a conversation we had and I think that is exactly as you say cuz wrongly you always think well yeah maybe in some ways it was my fault because if I'd have been stone cold sober or if I hadn't have taken myself to this club or if I hadn't have done this, then it wouldn't have happened. But that's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you you, you do blame yourself and it's understandable why we blame ourselves because we're taught that's, that's what we should do. Yeah. Um, but also just sometimes people don't even realise they've been spiked or they don't, yeah, they don't want to think about it. They kind of want to bury it down. Yeah. yeah. In some ways you'd go, oh, it'd be easier just to write that off as a, one of those rogue nights yeah let's never think about it again because yeah because the violation and and the fact that yeah because the reality of it 
is is so terrifying. And also, you you just want to know what substance has been on your bo- in your body, or I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wanted to. I wanted to know what was used to spike me. Um, and I guess that's kind of why I started. I've been spiked because I was doing my own research, trying to work out what it was like. What symptoms did I have, or what was I showing? Um, what drug was used to spike me? That's kind of how it started. And I was just googling online, trying to like work it out. And it was lit literally like next to no information just in all in one place it was all like spread out like talk to frank or any of those pages going through those kind of drugs and looking at their side effects but there wasn't like a set space to go and find it so that's kind of why i started i've been spiked and i guess it's kind of selfish because it was kind of for my own um, peace of mind but then also to help other people who are going through the same thing so when you went to E, were they not able to do any kind of tests to find out what what drugs had been in your system no I mean it was like obviously it was pre-covid um and also I'm like a young healthy woman and there's I I have a massive sense of guilt going to A&E anyway just because I'm like I don't I shouldn't be here like there's people like oh like old women and stuff waiting there and obviously I'd rather them go before me um so I kind of just proper I think I I did play down maybe mm. what was going on with me um just because I felt guilty I don't want to waste anyone's time you know obviously I did have to get my chin stitched up so that was important but apart from that I didn't want to complain too much about other injuries and when I got seen which was like I must have been sat there for like four or five hours because and that's no criticism to the NHS yeah, like yeah. obviously they're doing an amazing job um and the nurse was just like you should have been seen a lot earlier because you have a really bad concussion um she was like if you started like being sick or anything like that could have been like really dangerous and I was like yeah I just didn't want to I don't know I didn't want to waste anyone's time um Mm. and she was like it's so by that time I'd already been asleep bearing in mind and then I'd woken up and I'd spent then five hours in the A&E all the drugs any drugs that used to spike me would have left my system so it was it was it was pretty rubbish position to be in just Mm. felt really like hopeless and like I couldn't there was nothing I could have done you know um so yeah if you were to give advice to someone who if you could give advice to yourself would you have pushed more for some kind of investigation at that point I think the thing is even this was two years ago now I think things have changed I think things have changed a bit since then Mm -hmm. and I think maybe now if it were to happen to me the police would be more uh on it um just because the conversation's been widened and obviously with the increase the introduction of spiking via injection as well i think people are taking victims voices more seriously but at that point i don't think it would have made any difference you know really? if i'm going to be completely honest really just just because i saw the way that they handled my sister's case mm-hmm. why would it be any different for me no so talk to me about spiking by injection what what does that entail other than so, it's obvious by the name? <laughs> it's really weird because the first case of spike and fire injection I heard about was in Liverpool mm-hmm. um, and that was in October last year. And it was running a page like I've been spiked and then someone telling me about spike and fire injection. I was a bit like, I don't even know what to suggest to protect people because it's like, this is taking a whole nother level now of... Basically, if you don't want to get spiked, then don't go outside because there's not much you can do to stop someone from spiking you with a needle. So that is just um, like 
And the, you then feel it, or is it such a small needle that you, the th- theory is you don't feel it? Well, from people that I've spoken to through doing the podcast, apparently um, a lot of people haven't felt side effects from it. Um, because if you were to spike someone with a needle and it to have any effect, it would have to be held in for a long period of time and it would have to hit the bloodstream. So I don't know if it's luckily, I don't know if that's the right mm-hmm. word, but a lot of people haven't experienced the side effects apart from the side, the trauma of being literally stabbed with a needle on a night out. Um, wow. And then, yeah, so it's a really weird... I don't know if it, you can call it a phenomenon, <laughs> but oh, yeah. it's a really weird thing that's happened because I think a lot of it was just scaremongering. I personally haven't heard about any men that have been spiked by injection. It's only been women. And um, it just seemed like a, you know, it, it coincided with Freshers Week. And um, yeah, it just seemed because it, it happened in one place and it was happening in Nottingham, and then it was happening in this place and this place and this place and this place. And weirdly, it just seemed like a lot of people got the same idea of how to freak someone out. Women. Yeah, yeah. like women. Because, yeah, you're not, as you say, you're not getting a substance into anyone's body because actually the process of injecting someone is not that straightforward. So you're literally yeah. just kind of, not just because it's not a just, you're stabbing someone with a needle, basically, as, a, yeah. as, as an act of violence. Yeah, so obviously I didn't know about like the fact that a lot of people hadn't experienced side effects from reports um, until doing the podcast. But I guess in a way, it's, it's still awful, but it makes it makes sense because it just seems like such a yeah an act of violence just to to scare people. Yeah, so it is broadly um, in the same thing, but it is quite a different. Yeah, I mean, it, you'd feel the same. You'd feel violated either way, but you're not. Yeah, you're not losing chapters of your life via no, and it's it's a it's a really weird thing because for me, I felt like you know I've been running, I've been I've been spiked for two years now, and um, it was only really till October when the spiking via injection thing started happening that people started paying attention and wanted to know about spiking. And for me, I always Mm. say this: I think it's because as humans we only really respond to things when we can physically see something so yes. we're spiking fire injection you've literally got a prick mark on your arm right right whereas if i go to someone i say i've been spiked mm. my drink's been spiked it's my word against theirs mm. and it sounds horrible but sometimes people only want to hear things when the story's gory or this something's happened like i've spoken to victims and they've like even spoken to press and stuff like that. And then they're like, if nothing's actually happened to them afterwards, like they haven't been sexually assaulted or they haven't had any physical injuries, press don't want to report their story. Yeah. But really we don't see the trauma and the after effects of being spiked. Um, but yeah. No, no I, I think you're exactly right. The unseen stuff is hard for people to wrap their heads around, isn't it? Until mm-hmm. it happens to them or, or a family member or a friend. And then you yeah. think, oh, why isn't this getting the attention that it deserves? But it's totally unseen. Mm-hmm. So, and well, is there anything else particularly that you've learned through the podcast that you hadn't, that you didn't know before? So much, maybe. I think. I think there's yeah, there's so much, but I mean, there's we delve a lot more into like incel culture and stuff, which I guess is something that I've experienced through tro- trolling, through running the page. Have you? Um, yeah. Um, 
I get a lot of uh, I got a lot of backlash, especially when the page started to people start to realize, like look at the page and whatever. And it was a lot of oh, if you don't if you don't want to get spiked, then you shouldn't go outside. Uh, if you don't want to spike, you shouldn't. If you don't want to be spiked, you shouldn't drink. Um, that I only shared my story of spiking to prove how attractive I am to men, which is quite funny. Wow. Um, wow. And then like, and then obviously just like slut shaming kind of stuff as well. Like, I must have been wearing something. I must have been behaving in a certain way. I must have been talking to a certain person mm. um, that I deserved it. Um, and we delve a lot into that. I think it's the fourth episode of the podcast, and that was really insightful for me because I, I mean, I think I already knew, but that whole side of things is definitely playing a massive part in what's going on you in know what way? i would say that i would argue that in um this country the rise of incel culture is should be on the same level as terrorism i think it's really really terrifying um you know a lot of i i watched um the louis through documentary the other day mm and the fact yeah the fact that they're they're approaching young boys all over the world through things like Fortnite and stuff and telling them that women are these awful people and you know that we deserve to be broken down and we should be we should be in the kitchens all day and stuff and you know young people are really really impressionable mm. and i think it's just terrifying because you think we're i think in living in my little bubble that we're moving away from that kind of misogyny we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not but she did and in the end what will i become Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. But I think we might be taking a couple steps back if we don't do something soon. Mm. Um, and for me as well, like one of the things that I'm working towards next is um, about sex education in schools. I don't know about you, but my sex education was basically non-existent, mm. which I think was terrible. And I think it fails a lot of young people. Um, and I'm not saying all issues can be fixed by this, but something as simple as I'm not talking about we have to go into the deep no, details depths yeah. of things, especially for younger kids, but just even talking about how to have a healthy relationship and what yeah. consent is and stuff from a young age. Mm. I think it's really, really important. Um, yeah. And especially in combating hearing stuff from TikTok or hearing stuff from Twitter about how you should treat women. Yeah. Actually having these open, honest discussions from a young age is really, really important. I agree. I agree. It's actually something I've been thinking about a lot recently because, and this is going to make me sound really old. I mean, I am quite significantly <laughs> older than you, but like porn wasn't readily available other than kind of odd bits on the, well, the internet wasn't around when I was a teenager <laughs> in the way that it is now. And, you know, if you've got extreme access to porn and, you know, as we know, that can ladder right down to the very extreme end. If this is the version of sexual relationships that you're seeing, you're forming extremely skewed views of, of how that should look. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's even, there's stuff like date rape porn. Do you know what I mean? So you're watching something like that and you think that putting something in someone's drink in order to have sexual relations with them is okay, mm. you know? 
I, I don't want to like patronize young people, but I was impressionable when oh, I was like, well, yeah, that's a teenager. being young. You're learning yeah. about the world. Yeah. So if that's what you're seeing and that's what you're ingesting, it's only gonna it's gonna go one way. And mm. I think it's something that is really really important and something that we need to look deeper into. Obviously, anyone can have their drink spiked, you know, regardless of your gender, your sexuality, your race. Um, but it's hard to ignore the facts when it is does seem to be predominantly happening to women. Mm. Um, and I think it's something that we need to look into a bit, a bit more, basically. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole bigger question, isn't it, about how these guys are ending up in this place. Yeah, mm. what their role is, because yeah, I don't. Uh, Oh, I don't know. This feels like it gets quite heavy. I don't think we're in a time of, of great misogyny. I think that we have moved on, but there's something that's happening where men obviously aren't feeling that they've got a place in the world anymore. And so they've laddered so far down a certain way because, you know, think of your male mate who was the one who did pick up on the fact that you were not mm-hmm. yourself the next day. He did that. You know, that's everything you, I, I hope that I raise my daughter and my sons to be like that. But yeah, yeah it's, it's really terrifying, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's hard to ignore the fact. I mean, like last year, big big cases of women being murdered in the street in a lot, like sometimes in daytime, and the misogyny in the police force, like comments that were coming out from the police force. Like, it's hard to ignore these things, and that they still happen around us. And I think we need to be very aware um, that they are happening, and it is still a problem. And what are we doing to tackle that? Mm. And and then to come back to the subject of of spiking, how you don't want to get into a place where it's women taking the precautions. You know, we've all we've ha- had all these conversations about it's the girls running. Ho- I you know, run home from the train station with my keys in my hands. It's me who mm-hmm. knows how to mm-hmm. what I should and shouldn't wear. And I actually, as we we're talking, I do remember. You know, I don't go. go it won't be a surprise to you that I don't go out clubbing anymore. But I remember walking around with my hand over my drink all the time. And yeah. I wonder if I said to any of my guy mates, "Oh, is that a behaviour that you've ever had to think about?" Probably not. Mm-hmm. I think like when we open these conversations, like a lot of guys that I speak to, they don't have any idea that we walk home with earphones in but with no music playing because we need to be aware of our surroundings or we walk home with our keys between our fingers just in case someone attacks us like that is ingrained in us from Mm. such a young age that that is how we should behave Mm. like it kind of almost is instinctual because I don't remember anyone telling me no just know what you gotta do you just know and it's funny that we all have this awareness around like all women do the same thing but men just don't even have to think about that I mean um Sadiq Khan released a a new campaign for violence against women and girls. I think it was yesterday and it's called hashtag have a word. And I think that in itself is just important. It's about men calling up other men on say, for example, your, your guy mates cat calling a woman Mm. just being like, don't do that. No, it's not cool. I think there is a power in that because it's like your peer, your peer support. Like if you're all egging each other on, (laughs) like it's, it's obviously they're going to do it. So I think, I don't know. No, it's... I think you're right. I think you're right. And actually that Louis Theroux series, the one that's out now, which is some really awkward moments in it, but he, which is mm. brilliant. Now. But the thing I've taken away from all the episodes that I've watched so far is this idea of one, one-upmanship 
and that, you know, one person catcalls and then the next person catcalls in a more extreme way and then you do this and then you do that. And that is how, and especially when you're young and impressionable, and I relate to versions of that, you know, always mm. trying to be the, yeah, you know, one-up your mates to impress them. And actually if if you take away that culture and just be like, no, no, this is not, the we're not laddering yeah. down this. Because what yeah. starts off as, again, in that series, is a lot of, oh, it's just, it's just jokes. Well, it's not, is it? And when does a joke not become a joke? And when does a joke become threatening? Yeah, and, and this is what I, this is what sorry, this is what I say about like, um, like the trolling that I receive. Someone asked me, how far off do you think trolling, like trolling someone, is from spiking? And I said, not far off at all. No, because at the end of the day, they're both anonymous crimes. Mm. Trolling is anonymous because you're behind a computer screen mm. and no one's going to know who you are. Spiking is also anonymous because of the way we've allowed it to happen in this country that someone can do it and get away with it the person that spiked me is anonymous i don't know mm. who they are they got away with it so they're really not far apart so it's like when does when do people take it offline and what makes them take it offline and it is part of that um one-upping each other you know i think spiking viral injection is a prime example of that it's another one up yeah you know and then people got the same idea and started doing it in other places. Well, so that, exactly that. And you said, oh, you know, it just started happening here, there and everywhere. Well, that's exactly what happens. That's trends, isn't it? Everyone just loves mm. a trend. But you're yeah. right with the um, with the trolling, you know, having, of course, I've got a, a platform being at the receiving end of some of it. And you, you can't explain to anyone how that feels in your body if you've been, a, mm. if you've experienced it over a sustained time and it, and it has hit a nerve. And yeah, on the one hand, of course, it's just internal, so nothing happens. But it, 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 the trauma stays with you, exactly. Hundred percent. And it's yeah, but the anonymity of it is exactly what the problem is. It's such. It's just I can't think of a more intelligent language other than that it's just pussy behaviour, isn't it? It's like it doing- is. It is, and a lot of people do hide behind that. And yeah, spiking itself is pussy behaviour. It's um prick behavior yeah um but yeah it's it's a big problem and I think you know I always say this there's been people that have been campaigning against spiking long before me and there's going to be people long after me if we don't make any change soon so I'm not the first and I won't be the last basically no I'm but I'm as you say it's very hard to go okay right this a it's not a criminal offense b it doesn't really show up in your body c like yeah there's no physical evidence of it so where do you where do we begin number one as you say it is this talking about it and Mm -hmm. I guess putting it unfortunately back front and center that this is a real problem yeah so I think in terms of like steps moving forward is just opening the conversation and talking about it and speaking about it with your friends and stuff I mean I offer posters to like pubs um pubs bars clubs festivals and stuff up and down the country and literally just tell you the signs of someone that's been spiked and what you can do to help Mm -hmm. and I've been like in toilets at bars where they've got my posters up and like I'll be in the toilet and then I hear women coming in and they're talking about my poster and um I'll come out the toilet I'm like not to be a weirdo not that I was eavesdropping on your conversation but But I am yeah yeah, (laughs) but I am and I made those posters and this is exactly why Mm -hmm. I made them because mm-hmm. I want people to talk about it and to talk about it with their mates. And they were like, oh, we were just discussing that the other night when we went to a club, we thought this girl had been spiked, but we didn't really know whether she had or not. And we wish we would have done something more. So it's like that kind of side of things. Mm. 
needs to like we just need to keep talking about it and people need to know what they can do to help someone that's been spiked because as we discussed you know if you've been spiked there's not much you can do um and that includes like bar staff as well and security needs to get better at dealing with it instead of just kicking people out onto the street uh, in a vulnerable state um and then like i want to like increase like bystander training in schools and universities um of what they can do to help Mm -hmm. but obviously that kind of makes it a community issue and really we should probably be focusing on the people that actually do it um but it's yeah it's really difficult it's similar to trolling you go why on earth would someone do it why would but but i can't help but think that this comes back to a wider societal issue that people have lost their way so much that this is what they resort to yeah and i think i mean in terms of change, changes to the legal system and hopefully we can prosecute more people for the police to take this seriously and this issue seriously. I mean, it sounded it might sound childish or whatever, but when I got spiked, I didn't understand why the police couldn't keep like a almost like a tally chart of this person got spiked in this bar and then the next week someone also got spiked in this bar and then maybe they can clock trends because I clearly watch a lot of documentaries, but Stacey Dooley did a documentary on stalking recently. Mm-hmm. And they said that stalking is like a um, pattern crime. So really? it might be like loads of small things, but they, in order to clock the pla- pattern, they have to track it. Yeah. All of the little things that happen and then they can build up a bigger picture. And I think it's the same as spiking because then you could be more aware of where it's happening and you can probably track down the person that's doing it. Yeah. If it's the same person going to a bar time and time again, if we're not keeping any record of that, that just seems ridiculous um but obviously in terms of testing as well and making testing more accessible because if the police won't investigate without tests then we need to make testing more more available when my sister went to a and e they told they told my sister to go to a and e and then they just said oh we don't do forensic testing here and that was it that's that she was actually in a time frame where it could have been caught in her system and she was just turned down and i hear that from a lot of victims they're getting Mm. ping pong from place to place with no one taking responsibility so where is the right place? So do you say she went to the police first? No, went to any first. She went to the police first. They told her to go to A and E. Then my mum went back to the police and said they don't do forensic testing. And they said they can't investigate further. Wow. And that was it. So it's like we need a space in between where we can get where people can access the testing. You know, the blood testing, um, the urine tests, whatever they need. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. I guess so my job is go. trying to work out where where that place will be or where that place will fit, or if we need to create something new. Yeah, because yeah, they would be the two places that you would go to, wouldn't it be like one or the other? And mm. we also got a time in, in a time where people are better at testing. That the idea of testing yourself, in fact, as well, could be an yeah. option. If you, if it's urine, for example, you, why can't you get a hold of that at a pharmacy? The whatever test you need to. I mean, I'm being very naive because I'm not a scientist, yeah. but. It, but it, it's absolutely vital in order to to do the next step, isn't it? Hundred percent. I mean, if, yeah. If they won't investigate without it, then we then it's crucial that we get it. Did you have you told the venue that it happened where where it happened? So after it happened to me, my mum went emailed the venue, um, and it took a while for them to respond. Mm. And then when they finally did respond, and she went to go and view the CCTV, she asked me if I wanted to come. I said no, I didn't want. I didn't want to see, I wasn't really in a place to see that right. Like I could, I could watch it right now, but I was yeah. not able to watch it at that time. Fair enough. Um, and she just said to me, oh, it's really awful, but basically the security camera, I guess this is another part to play is that venues need to take more responsibility. The security camera that 
looks over the bar, mm-hmm. which where I believe I was spiked. Um, and it obviously is so important for a business in terms of people taking money from the till, yeah. people taking alcohol. And then also in terms of people's safety, it was covered by fairy lights. Uh-huh. So she couldn't actually, you couldn't see anything. Um, but she did see me. She said, you went up the stairs and you were Maya and you came down the stairs and I didn't recognize that person. Really? And so it happened so quickly. These drugs had such an effect on me so quickly that my mum wasn't able to recognize me and she's seen me drunk. Yeah. She was like, that was not you. Wow. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the venue has actually since closed down. So, you know, because it would be kind of weirdly like a nice thing to work with them maybe on some yeah. stuff but they've since closed down so I don't think that's possible but no. but that no venue wants this to be part of their culture either do they you no. know like you say if you were tracking where this happened often something would change because you wouldn't want to become a, a you know they want their customers to be safe surely yeah 100% so that's why I've always like I've endorsed spaces that want to make themselves safe because I said as I said before I love going out I love clubbing I love the whole culture of it it's a massive part of my life and I think it's a massive part of every young person's life and it's really crucial you know a lot of people find their tribes through stuff like that there's other ways obviously Mm -hmm. but you know it's important to a lot of people especially like in my community like young queer people finding their space and finding people you know finding their chosen family a lot of it does happen around club clubbing and nightlife culture so for me it's really important to help support bars and pubs and clubs to make their safe space their their spaces safer um and that's why i did the poster outreach because it was similar to that of like ask angela or other kind of posters you see on toilets but i thought it was a good way to kind of connect with places that are trying to make their spaces safer Mm. has it has it changed the way you behave or you think when you go out or have you kind of pushed against that so that you don't change yourself? I think, I think I'm more aware um, and I'm more aware for the people around me as well. Um, just like if like, I mean, it's a, it's a weird one because sometimes like I go out like in, in my area and people are like, oh, like if someone's like passed out, it's like, oh, it's okay. I've been spiked in. It's like, I'm just a 23 year old yeah. woman. I don't have any training. Um, Obviously, I'm more aware of like what the signs are and stuff because I've researched this time and time again. Um, But I don't think it's, I've not allowed it to change me. You know, kind of refused. I refuse, I refuse to live in fear of being spiked basically mm. again, because that's no way to live your life. Like, if I was scared of everything all the time, I wouldn't leave the house because I was scared of getting hit by a car. No, it's true. You know? It's true. So for me, and that also would be giving the person what they wanted and would be giving the trolls what they want. They don't want me to go out. That's what they say. They don't want me to go out. If I don't want to go out, if I don't want to get spiked, I shouldn't go out. So yeah, there's definitely internally something where I'm a bit more aware, a bit more tapped in, but yeah, I can't let it change my behavior. No, no. I, I, it all feels deeply frustrating, doesn't it? And that's not even the right word. Um, yeah, I guess all you can do, well, you're doing it, I'm going to hopefully try and do it a bit with this podcast, is just it's just raise awareness of it. And I'm in a funny position because, yeah, I don't, as I said, I don't really go out clubbing anymore, but I'm raising the next generation that will. Yeah. And, and 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 I had really, really naively thought this is a problem that had shifted. And that, the only reason I thought that is because it's not in my reality anymore. 
But mm-hmm. yeah, there's, from what you're saying, it's a, there's a good chance it would happen to one of my kids, which is a, a really terrifying thought. And it's how you you educate them, I guess. To keep, as you're saying, it's to, that bystander thing, and to mm-hmm. be able to spot spot things and 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 an awareness that this does happen. Yeah, it's just about being aware that it does happen, and yeah, and how to help people as well. I think is really important for them to watch out for people to just watch out for their peers as well yeah you know so we can all be safe yeah that is a real um I mean again I think it is quite implicit as I can only speak as a group of girls there was always that thing of like you're not ever letting someone go home on their own never popping them in a cab someone's always got to go Mm. back with them and it is that same thing if you're all out together even if you've got a friend who's a bit more seemingly more wild kind of not letting them find themselves in those really vulnerable positions because yeah, working as a group is helpful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely a power in um, peer support and like looking out for each other. In the same way, there's a power on the negative side of peer action. Yeah, you know, people encouraging each other for bad behaviour. We can also encourage good behaviour, and we can like combat some some of the issues. Um, but really, I think to see big change, we need to see some big systemic change, which is hopefully on the horizon Mm. I can only hope um but basically I'll keep working until we see that change yeah and and things getting into the exactly like you say all these this the terrifying idea that things are collectively skewing the wrong way we can collectively skew it the right way and and to have Mm. things in the conversation and in in the zeitgeist of something that we're thinking about only feels like a good thing 100%. 100%. If you've got kind of one one key message that you'd like to end on, what, what would that be, do you think? I think um, I would always say, like, if you have been spite, it's not your fault. And there are people that will listen to you and will hear you. And there are resources that can help you now. And um, not to blame yourself. And if you can, if you feel up to it, like do report it to the police because I'm you know I've had a <laughs> troubled experiences with the police you know especially through campaigning and stuff and yeah it's been difficult but I do think that there are people that will listen to you mm-hmm. if it's not the police then it's your friends it's your family mm-hmm. um but I think there is a there there has to be a power in reporting um somewhere I'm struggling to find it but I think the more of us come forward, the more that we can treat this as the serious issue that it is. So, yeah, it's just not about not blaming yourself, I think, because yeah. I blamed myself for a long time. And I think it's it only hurt me. It didn't hurt anyone else. No, no. And with nearly everything, just keeping things internal or behind closed doors doesn't move things forward. No. I think that's good. But you did that very well. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Been Thank doing this you. Um, I've got two more questions before I end. Number one, where can people find you? Uh, you can find I've Been Spiked on all platforms at I've Been Spiked. And then um, I also post stuff, I guess, on my accounts, which is at Maya House across all platforms. Spelt really bizarrely. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Welsh spelling. Is that what it is? Welsh? I thought it might yeah, be Welsh. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, a quick promo of your podcast too. Yeah, um, Pricks is available to listen across all podcast platforms. It's a limited series, so all of the episodes are up. You don't have to wait weekly. Um, and yeah, it's five episodes. They're not too long. You can listen to them on like a dog walk. And hopefully 
you learn something from it or at least you learn the impact on the victim from listening to this podcast I think I'm really really proud of it and I think it's really really important for people to listen to so if you want to listen it's pricks on all streaming platforms Great. I love that you decided to drop them all in one go because in podcasts it is kind of usually quite old school, isn't it? The weekly drops. But I think it's a mm-hmm. thing, thing for something like this. If you want to just deeply get your head into one subject, it's nice to have them all available. Yeah, you can listen to them all at one go or you can take your time. But yeah. I think because they will feed into each other, it does make sense that you can listen to them all at once. Yeah, I love that. And last, lastly, if you can have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be and what would you say? Oh my god is this like dead or alive a bit like that people have given a real variety of answers to here so go with whatever you feel um i would i would love to speak to amy winehouse um she's like i've got a lot of respect for her i think she i mean obviously people have got mixed opinions um in terms of about addiction and stuff i've had like family experience of addiction and um I just think she's an amazing, unapologetic woman. And I think she really shaped me, you know, growing up, like listening to people like her or people like Lily Allen really shaped me into who I am. So I Mm. think I'd love to have a conversation about being a woman in the industry and just, yeah, killing it and just being really good at your trade, basically. Yeah, it's so true. Like the ongoing legacy of people like her... It's only just beginning to be seen as, as, as with, mm-hmm. for people who grew up with with them, you know, in their ears. Exactly that. How old would you have been when you were listening to her to begin with? Really, really little. Really, um, I remember I had her on my iPod because um, my <laughs> mum used to listen to her. Um, how old was I when? Well, I'm only twenty three now. Yeah, and I'm trying to so, think how old she'd be now, like mid thirties, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I was I was young. You were I was young, young but I, yeah, yeah. I've been listening to music from a very, very young age, but she was always an artist that stuck with me, and yeah, I really admire her. So that's a good choice. It wasn't what? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, good choice. <laughs> I mean, any choice would be good, but it's it's always like <laughs> quite interesting who people are saying. Well, thank you so much. It's this has been um, yeah, really uncomfortable, but a real education piece, and I'm going to go and try and learn some more about it as well and look look. Yeah, for all the gaps in the system, I suppose. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's like, like it's, I really, really appreciate it. I wonder whether we're gonna like the universe is gonna make us bump into each other on on this streets. It probably well, it seems a bit weird that we live right near each yeah. other. And we haven't so far. So now's the time. Ah, oh, well, that was um an informative. Is that the right word? Episode. And actually, just off mic, I've been ch- chatting to producer Steve and. I want to try and get the proper stats for you, but this is definitely something that happens um, across both genders. It's more prevalent in females, but that isn't to say that it isn't also a problem with guys. And as Maya touched on, this is a a phenomenon that, that doesn't discriminate. That being said, it does feel like there's a big issue that needs to be solved. And the obvious way is for greater awareness when you're out and about, but that just feels like the tip of the iceberg but I I have really taken away that that bystander um, awareness I can't think of the number of times that I've seen particularly girls people being what appears to be more than drunk and just thinking oh you know they're having a big night but actually they could be a, a, a victim of this so that's something to be aware of and really do go and check out um 
their podcast, their podcast, Maya's podcast, Pricked, and go and find her Instagram. I've been spiked. It's a resource of great information. I'm really interested to see where the journey goes for her. Overall, thank you so much to listen for listening to But Why. I'm always glad to have you here, and I'm really glad to be able to learn a little bit about so many important subjects. If you want to get in touch, I'd always love to hear from you. I'm always available to, um, I'm really always open to guest suggestions. You can get in touch on Instagram or on email, but why at clemmytelford.com. I am now off to the post office. I am posting a collection of retro recipe books that I found in amongst Ben's great aunt's belongings. And I'm sending them to my friend Sophie, who has an Instagram account called Kitchen, as in Kitch, Kitchen Confidential. And she is um, cooking loads of retro recipes it's brilliant it's beautifully styled and it also shows some of the very interesting food habits that have gone on during the years so i'm going to go and post those recipe books to her wishing you a really lovely day and catch up with you next week goodbye